where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. We're going to hear scripture two ways this morning. And first, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. We're going back to the book of Genesis. And as a reminder for some, and maybe as news to others, uh, broadly speaking, chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis are creation stories. It's all good and it's all blessed. Then we get to chapter 3. The feathers hit the fan. You may have another expression for that, but I like feathers. Chapter 3 to 11 is all about sin stories, if you will, or stories of missing the mark. They include Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the flood, the Tower of Babel, or Babel as some say. Each one, each story concerning the whole earth, a panoramic scope, it's not good. It's wise, though, that it started with it all being good and a blessing. There's hope in that. But then there's the very real reality that um, it's easy to miss the mark. Chapter 12, which is where today's passage comes from, you, you have this sense of going from this to the very narrow focus in the life of one person and their family. Walter Brueggemann, a Christian scholar, has described today's passage as a creation account, a new beginning, a fresh start that focuses not on the part, not on the past, rather, but on what this one person and their family will become. Let's listen to the first two verses of this creation account in chapter 12 of Genesis, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. What's shocking is that Abram did, but we'll get to that later. The second version of our scripture this morning is a song by Debbie Friedman, who's a Jewish artist, and she composed this song that shares the exact same message with an emphasis on three Hebrew phrases. The first is lekilach, which means go forth. The second is lech lecha, which means get yourself out. And the last one, which is harder to say, as Grace can attest, is lasim hat chayim lechilach, to the joy of life, go forth. 
Let's listen now as Grace shares this morning's passage in song. that was beautiful thank you grace it's worth noting that when that it's more than an invitation it was a command go go forth get yourself out when that command was given to abram tradition tells us he was 75 years old so there's no pass if you're hair is silver or gray, or if you're feeling old or tired. There's also no pass if you're young because the whole family went. It wasn't just one person. 
and to leave holds great risk, much more so than you might imagine now. In ancient times, power and protection of kinship was very real. That was your entire identity. There was no individual. It was only the group. It was only your kinship group where you had a sense of identity and purpose. And to top it off, this command says that the destination, the destination wasn't given to Abram. It was like, go, go forth, get yourself out. But you're only going to know where you're going when God discloses it. When was the last time you left your home and didn't know exactly where you were going or where you would end up? So it's common to go out on a ride or a hike and not know exactly where you're going to go, but you know where you're going to end up. Have you ever done that? I know that there is an exercise, an intuition exercise, where people have invited me to try this. And they say, just go out without a plan and just let yourself go. And it's only, you know, I don't know, 15, 30 minutes. You can expand it into something much longer if you want to give it a try. It's very interesting. I mean, granted, I know it's going to come to an end, and I know where I'm going to end up at the end, but it's worth playing with it a little bit. And play is a good word because children do this when they play. You've probably observed this, the parents and grandparents who are here in the room. As adults, it's worth revisiting that. Abram leaves what is known to go towards what is promised. You heard the promise in the song and in the scripture, right? It says, go forth and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing to others. Is that enough? (laughs) Just go, just trust me. I'll bless you. It's all going to work out. Why go? Let's acknowledge that it's not always a choice. Perhaps the refugees are coming to your mind or heart. But let's also remember chapter 3 to 11. Things are not good. The place that Abraham, Abram is called to go from is called Haran. And that place translates as crossroads. It's hard to leave when you're in a place of comfort. But the placing of this story seems to indicate that there is a lot more chaos than comfort. And being guided is part of the journey of faith. This story is not a historical account of exactly what happened in one person's life, but it's part of a collection of our history of faith or the journey of faith that says being guided is part of it. The journey of faith requires that we go forth, that we get ourselves out, that we move forward without knowing where we will end up. And the promise of faith is that God will bless us and we will be a blessing to others. I'm not really concerned about making a great name for anything other than perhaps God's church. 
And I hope you'll join me in that. Because it's worth noting that it's not about individuals. And in our time and space, it doesn't have to be about either. It can be about the impact of a community. And part of that promise is that joy awaits. Not the joy that happens by going around the difficult moments, but through them, and not in the denial of the hardship, the uncertainty, and the great sorrows in the world, but in the gift of reconciliation and restoration and creating something new that comes when we are authentically seeking to walk in God's ways and presence. Isn't that why we gather? Because we've recognized the limits of our own ideas and our own plans, and we want to be guided by something else, something beyond ourselves, something bigger than ourselves. Abraham Joshua Heschel, who's a Jewish scholar, he says that being guided is a gift. It's not a skill. And particularly in the lives of prophets, Heschel notes that they are not simply messengers of God, but they stand in the presence of God. They are in counsel with God. Stand in the presence of God. Receive the gift of being guided and restrained by God. I love the addition of restrained. Have you heard that before? Being restrained by God or the ministry of restraint? And I want to lift this up for a moment because it is, it is quite special in particular. And I first witnessed this gift of being restrained at an ecclesiastical council several years ago. And if you don't know what an ecclesiastical council is, uh, consider defending um, a dissertation. Or if the law exam was an in-person verbal exam, it's a test. And it's for candidates who are seeking to be ordained into the ministry of the church. And so many, many, many years ago, Someone who was asking a question of the candidate said, you know, the Pope recently said something about um, same-gender relationships not being okay. What would you say to the Pope? And the candidate responded, first, of course, by taking a long drink of water, (laughs) and then by saying, the Pope. Wow, I, I can hardly imagine being in the presence of the Pope. I wonder what that would be like. And having never met the Pope, I'm not, not really sure what I would say. But here's what I want to say to my friends and family and to everyone that's here today. In the United Church of Christ, we believe that God is still speaking. And we believe that there are many ways to love faithfully. And there's a lot more to say about that, so let's talk privately if that would be helpful. But for now, I think that's all I have in answer to your question.
Do you hear the restraint in that response? Heschel also said that in God's presence, the invisible God becomes audible, and the person speaking is an associate of God rather than an instrument. More of a speaking with God. I hear this gift of restraint, this speaking as an associate of God in Ibram Kendi and Brian Stevenson, in Nicole Hannah-Jones, and others who speak with power and authority without taking the bait and going down rabbit holes. Because that's what it's about. Don't take the bait. In my mind, I often answer the question, what do you think, with, it really doesn't matter what I think. Let's see what the answer needs to be as one of many leaders in a congregation that's committed to following the way of Jesus. I hear this gift of restraint in the restorative justice process where parties speak to each other, not about each other. Where when genuine remorse and understanding are present, there's no need for condemning words. It's easy to have conversations in your head When the person is right before you, it changes. I hear this gift of restraint in meeting people where they are without judgment through our congregations to uh, gun violence reduction initiatives. No judgment. Come as you are. Where do you hear the gift of restraint at work? I want to invite you to consider this week how you've been or might be guided and restrained by God. I'm guessing this has already been a part of your life, whether you've named it or not. And I want to invite you to name it and to be aware of it. The image of standing in the presence of God might be useful as you consider this. Standing in the presence of God isn't just something that happens at the pearly gates. Our God is alive and with us, tradition tells us. Don't wait. Don't wait to entertain this possibility and to imagine this moment. Can you imagine standing in the presence of God? The song, I can only imagine, comes to my mind. But again, that's about the afterlife. If that's too much to imagine standing in the presence of God, how about someone you consider to be holy and someone that you only know of but have never met? What might that be like? You know, in this time when we connect online and in person, it's not just imagination. When our spirit seeks to connect with another spirit, the physical proximity is optional. 
allow yourself to have those moments to experience the presence of that Holy One that you imagine. One of my favorite images of prayer is imagining God to be present. It's more of a sitting in the presence than a standing in the presence. Often an empty chair. My meditation room does have two chairs for that reason. But I also feel that when I enter different sanctuaries throughout the country and even throughout the world, just going in and sitting in the presence. I'm sure you've done that. The cathedral tours, the tiny churches that you see in the most remote places. Just go in and sit. The dirt floors, the hidden churches in Amsterdam. Go and sit in the presence. Thomas Merton wrote a prayer of unknowing that reflects this posture. And we're going to spend a few moments in prayer, and I encourage you to imagine this exchange, to hear Merton's voice from his Thoughts in Solitude collection, and to also hear this prayer as a departure as a departure from certainty, as a departure from my own ideas or his own ideas to wanting to please God. I'm comfortable with that language. You may have another way to phrase that. Um, Pleasing someone may have some baggage for you, um, which I totally get. So maybe for you, it's wanting to be an associate of God, or to be a friend of God, or to even just get to know God. 